Hi, my name is Jen Rulon, and you may know me as Coach Jen. After knocking out 15 Ironman triathlons, I am an everyday healthy human just like you. In this podcast, we will discuss how to metamorphosize into an everyday healthy human through healthy physical habits and mindsets, as well as authentic living. Let's transform together in this journey called life and become the best everyday healthy human ever. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Everyday Healthy Human Podcast. My name is Jen Rulon, and some people may know me as Coach Jen. Well, today's guest is Ashton Keck, and Ashton and I met through a mutual friend of ours, Anna Olson, or Anna Olson, and Anna, I also interviewed her for my podcast. And she's like, you need to meet Ashton. Ashton is also in Costa Rica. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's in Costa Rica. Well, we immediately almost bonded just through that alone. And she's about two hours north of me in like Playa Grande area. So, Ashton, welcome to the Everyday Healthy Human podcast. And thanks for joining us. Hi, Jen. Thank you very much for having me. And and yeah, it's nice to meet you. Nice to see another face in the area. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, why don't you give everybody your two-minute elevator speech? Because I'm just excited to share your story. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. So I'm I'm Ashton. I'm originally from the United States. I moved to Latin America about seven or eight years ago. Uh, most people know me as a special education teacher by by day, an advocate for, for people with disabilities. Most people also know me as somebody who is completely crazy for running. I started running probably when I was around the age of 15, and I started running ultra distance races um, about, I think it was about six years ago. I've done some races from 50K all the way up to 100 miles, and uh, I've actually done the race here in Costa Rica, highly recommend it, the Coastal Challenge, which is a 236-kilometer stage race. Super beautiful. Yeah, I remember seeing something about that. So let's talk about this, because I think your story is absolutely incredible, and your transformation was incredible. And to me, it sounds like you've gone through many transformations. When I read your story last night, I just was like overwhelmed and very grateful for you to open up and be vulnerable to us. So kudos to you on that. When I was younger, I grew up uh, predominantly with with my grandparents. Uh, they, They raised me. You know, eventually after a series of events, eventually I started living with my mom and I was a pretty angry kid. So I wasn't into sports. I didn't grow up into sports. Um, I don't have like a very sporty family. I had a lot of this built up energy and I don't think I knew how to expend it. So I was put in like anger management classes. I went to an alternative school and eventually I got really heavy into to alcohol and drugs, mainly alcohol. Drugs are just like the cherry on top. Um <laughs> I ran, I started running, like I said, when I was around the age of 15. And I only started running because I was just trying to lose weight. I grew up in like, I always say I was like a a chubby punk rocker kid, you know, and, and I just, 
I didn't like how much weight I had put on as a teenager. So I, I started running. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but it was definitely never any kind of like athletic pursuit. I later kind of left running because, uh, like I said, I, I have a history of, of addiction. I ended up finding, I found a quicker way to lose weight, which was to, you know, drink a bottle of rum and, and, uh, and not eat. So that kind of put running on hold for a while. Sometimes I would go for a run, you know, like I'd have like a pack of cigarettes in my bra and, and go running once in a while. Um, but it wasn't really a heavy pursuit of mine. That lifestyle didn't uh, really work for me. And eventually I hit, I hit a, a bottom and I hit a bottom really young and I got sober in 2010. I grew up around a lot of drug addicts and alcoholics. So I, I uh, you know, luckily I had a lot of support. Nobody ever enabled me. I grew up around a 12-step program. So, you know, the, the positive about growing up around drug addicts and alcoholics is, you know, when you're, if you want to get sober, like people kind of know the path in my family. And it was around that time that I really picked up running again. I didn't know who I was. I kind of lost, you know, my identity. I didn't know how to cope with life. I wasn't, um, I wasn't, you know, consuming substances. And so I just ran. Um, and that's kind of what started my journey. Yeah. And I think uh, it's interesting because I, I talked about my own journey when it came to stop drinking alcohol as well. And I remember somebody saying, you know, you could stop drinking you could stop drinking and, and drugs and all that stuff, which I didn't do. But like I was like, oh, I didn't hit rock bottom. And somebody's like, well, you don't have to hit rock bottom. But it sounded like you got to a point where you might have hit rock bottom. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, uh, when I quit, I, you know, I was only 18, almost 19. I, my, my drinking career was realistically only five years. But in that five years, I was living out of my car. Um, you know, I had an eating disorder. I think that's a big reason why it took me out so quickly. Um, I was a daily drinker. My hair was falling out. When I didn't drink alcohol, I would shake. And uh, I actually did not learn about the dangers of alcohol withdrawal until I was experiencing them uh, when I quit. So those who uh, who don't know, it's not just heroin that has withdrawals. Alcohol, you uh, you can also hallucinate if you're if you drink heavily enough. And you stop drinking. So I was on a podcast, uh, I think it was like yesterday. And one of the things that kind of got brought up was, you know, the scariest moment I think in my life was this moment where I had always planned, and this is terrible, but I had always planned like, you know what, if, if this gets bad enough, I'll just, I'll just end it. I'll just end life, you know, call, call it good. And the scariest part in my life was this moment where the, the day I woke up and I realized, like, I, I can't keep doing this. I can't I can't maintain this. I can't keep drinking. I, and 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 the scariest thing was, was I didn't want to kill myself anymore. I didn't want to die, but I had no idea how to keep how to keep going. And that for me was the scariest moment in, in my entire life. And um, and uh, and so, yeah, I, I asked for help. And I, I really got involved in the community of people who helped, who helped me figure out how to live this life without substances. And in that time, I really didn't know who I was, you know, like I was still pretty, you know, the first chunk of my sobriety, I was still pretty wrapped up with some disordered thinking with, uh, with eating and, um, some other mental health stuff. 
But um, and so that kept me running, but I wasn't running for the right reason. So so something that not everybody knows about my story is, you know, I was heavily into running and I think I was probably I think I was probably three or four years sober and I just I had quit running. I, 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 you know, I went out and every day I ran out. I hated every mile, every mile. I felt like, why am I doing this to my body? I don't like this. And, and I said, you know what? I quit. And I quit. I quit running for like a year, got super heavy into yoga, which I used to make fun of when I was, you know, younger. And in yoga, I learned how to be kinder to myself. I learned how to breathe. And, you know, flash forward off a couple of years after the yoga experience and I started running again. And suddenly I realized, like, I can run forever. <laughs> like, I it, and I don't know if it was like maybe because I learned the, the breathing that I learned in yoga, but I started, you know, I before if I hit seven miles, I hated every second of it. And suddenly after this break and this switch in thinking, this total perspective change, um, I found myself able to run and run and run. And and during that time, I had also, you know, read a couple books about uh, where ultra running popped up. I saw um, a, a movie with um, a couple ultra runners in a BAMP film festival. And suddenly I was just like, this is what I want to do. I, I want to do this. And I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> what was the, uh, do you remember what the film was called for? And I'll put it in the show notes. I don't remember the name of it. It might be interesting to me as well, because I un- I don't understand the ultra people. I don't like. And <laughs> and then for you to go do the coastal, the Costa Rica coastal challenge, like the 300, 236K, like that's just to me insane. So I don't expect people to do an Ironman. I don't expect to people to do the 236K coastal challenge. I don't expect people to do that. But what I love about your story, Ashton, is how you have really transformed and changed your life because you might, like I said earlier when we were talking privately, you may not be here talking to me if you didn't change your life to who you are today. Yeah, definitely. I don't think, you know, sometimes I get the question, um, like, if I could, would I change my past and and my answer to that is is definitely no. Like, do I wish that I would h- have hurt people or scared people in the past? Like, definitely not. I, I don't want to hurt anyone, and I never wanted to hurt anyone. But would I change it? No, because I I feel like there's something really great about. Uh, and I said this on I said this yesterday too. There's something really great about going and seeing what hell looks like because once you know, in in my experiences, once I've hit rock bottom, once I've seen what death looks like, nothing else in life is that scary. You know, leaving the country in my early 20s and moving in, I would live in the remote jungle where there's no supermarkets, no gas station. I mean, nothing uh, without a car moving there and not speaking the language. That was scary. Don't get me wrong. I was scared. I, you know, I had my dog with me, the fear of like my dog not making it through airport security, all that stuff was definitely scary. And I stressed and I, and I probably ran some extra miles to deal with it. But, um, it was not, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. Like the worst, there is nothing that ever can happen in my life that will be bad as what's already happened. And so I, I don't wish for that to change because I, I feel like it's just given me this perspective on life that like, I can do these 
challenges and I can go for it. And I don't always make it. I might, you know, miss the mark, but like, you know, it's just, it's not that big of a deal compared to other things. And and with regards to ultra, some people also think this is kind of crazy, but like a hundred miles is, is hard. Um, it's difficult, but at the end of the day, it's tops two days of running two days, which I you know if you're thinking literally like picturing running, like, wow, yeah, that sounds miserable. But it's two days of your entire, it's a day or two days of your entire life. Right. Physically, the Cosa Challenge is difficult. You're not doing huge mile days, you know, like I think the biggest day is 50K, but I always compare it to the, to the thing of like, you know, if you have an hour weight session, <laughs> if you have an hour weightlifting session, but then the next day you have a rest day. That's a lot easier than like maybe a day where you're you're pumping 30 minutes of only arms and then the next day you go do 30 minutes of arms. Like that's hard. That's what makes Coso Challenge difficult is the humidity and then also the fact that you're like you're not doing super huge distances in one day, but the next day at 3:30 in the morning somebody's blowing a horn and you're waking up and you're doing it all over again. But it's a beautiful experience. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine one of my podcast interviews uh with a triathlete he goes I have to train tired. And sometimes that's one of the hardest things to do. So for you to go do the coastal challenge, even the hundred miler, like you're racing or you're doing that tired and it's, it's, that's challenging, but that's the mindset. You've trained your mind to be able to manage that. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of these endurance sports are definitely um, hugely mind-based. Yeah, Let's talk about mindset just briefly and how can the mindset of an athlete, like the mindset of you, help the everyday healthy human maybe get through their first 5K, maybe get through a fight with their partner or their child? Like what what do you think, what tip do you have for somebody that is just really needs to adjust their mindset to be the better version of themselves? I think back to this conversation I had with a teacher a, uh, a few years ago, and she said, you know, like she admired the fact that I always got out there and put in and put in the work. And I just, you know, I told her, I told her, like, it's really just about it's just about making the decision and then stopping the debating uh, committee. So uh, I, I essentially like if, for example, you're new to running and you want to do a 5K. Instead of giving, at least this is what works for me, and and actually it worked for this girl as well. It's just instead of getting up and being like, "Am I gonna go train in the morning, or am I gonna do this this speed workout today?" There, there's no question. It's just like you wake up in the morning, you don't question if you're gonna brush your teeth or not. Like maybe you're tired, but like you just that's just part of the routine. And so really, just switching that mindset, like whatever it is in life that I think we want to do. First, make sure, I think it's important to make sure, reflect, what is it that I really want to do? If I really want to do this, then I'm going to do it and stop the questioning. It's just make it like brushing your teeth. It's just going to happen. doesn't matter if I didn't sleep enough. It didn't matter. Nothing, none of that matters. It's just part of the routine. And then I, I honestly think for myself, and then like I said, with this, this teacher I was speaking to, because she, she ended up practicing it and she told me it worked for her. I really think a lot of times we waste a lot of energy on just the debating of if we should or should not do something. And so cutting out that debate helps. Beautiful. Beautiful. 
we constantly fight ourselves like, should I, should I, should I, should I, I, I don't know, do I? And it's yeah. like, shut up, brain, <laughs> just go do it. Go for the walk, go for the, go for the surf session, go talk to your partner and say, I am sorry. Amen, Ashton. Amen. I love that. <laughs> you know, we go through those debates every single day. Yeah, they're exhausting. They are exhausting. And we're talking to ourselves. 100%. Here, Ashton has gone through these crazy transformations over her whole life. She's made the change, but she's also learned how to stop listening to that extra noise that no longer served her. And that's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. I think it all just takes a lot of practice, right? Because especially if we've heard that voice for years and years and years, it's a pretty loud voice. It's valid. It's there. But that doesn't mean that we have to keep listening to it. And and honestly, like I said, I think once we we take that step to just say like, you know what, I'm just I'm just not like you're there, but I'm not going to listen. It it um it can be pretty freeing, um, but it definitely takes practice. Very freeing, yeah. It's practice, right? It's it's a practice. And if you can recognize that you're doing that and get to that spot quicker, then that's only going to help you in your everyday life. Whether it's a, you know, deciding on walking out the door, going for a walk or sitting there, sitting on the couch, having a cup of coffee. Like, how are you going to feel? The coffee may make you happy. But that walk will get the body going and energized and, you know, you step away from your phone and you like listen to nature and all that stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Talk to my followers about what you have coming up in Costa Rica, because I'm I'm very intrigued by your um, I don't know if you want to call it a retreat. Yeah, retreat is fine. We we uh, we've kind of tried to get away from the word retreat because retreat kind of has this you know, sit back and just receive all of the benefits kind of feel, but, but it's fine for, for lack of a better word. Um, we're, we're kind of putting on a retreat. It's two other females and myself. It's called the quantum leap women's experience. And so we're hosting an event or an experience where 10 women are invited to come here to Costa Rica to, for four, four nights and five days. Uh, and the, it'll be in a, the San Carlos area. And the purpose of the experience is to help women who are looking to make a big leap or a big change in their life. So this all came about with my friend Maria, who she's her experience is in kind of the corporate world. So her idea was helping women who are who wanting to go from corporate to consultant in her world. Um, but it also includes women who maybe are sick and tired of whatever career they're in and are maybe wanting to make that switch but are afraid. It could be women who are looking to make some kind of lifestyle change or looking to do a huge leap, like move to Costa Rica or to another state. So any anything that requires just like a big change, we're having this experience to help support women as they go through that process. And I think one of the greatest benefits of this experience is, is when we're going to be in a beautiful place and and there's going to be lots of like fun extras on top of the workshops, such as like yoga and hot springs. And we have like a full moon bonfire ceremony. So lots of fun extras on top of the, the actual workshops geared towards taking that leap. But more importantly, I think we're super excited about it because of the community of women who are working towards a common goal. Because I think sometimes 
when we take these big leaps in life, other people might not understand it. So, you know, like the fact that I wanted to leave the United States and travel with my pit bull in my early 20s and go to a different country where I didn't speak the same language, you know, people might think like, oh, that seems fun, but they might not really understand it. Or somebody who works in, you know, a nine to five job making really good money, but they're miserable every day, who wants to go, um, I don't know, teach Pilates um, and start their own business. People might kind of look at them, but you're already making great money. Why would you want to make such a big change? But I think at the end of the day, there are a lot of us out there who who have this feeling deep inside that like maybe life isn't aligned with our values. And the rest of the world might be telling us we're crazy. But what's cool about this experience and this community is there are a lot of women who have taken that leap and they're doing fine. They had fears, but they're doing great. And waking up every day not feeling like Ugh, it's Sunday and tomorrow's Monday is an awesome feeling. And it does exist. I don't, you know, Sunday at 7 p.m., I'm not thinking, oh, my God. Tomorrow's Monday. Like, I don't really care tomorrow's Monday because my life is aligned to how I want it to be. Like, this is possible. Right. I completely agree. That's, I live that way too. When people talk about weekends, I'm like, what's a weekend? Like, I work less in Costa Rica, but I make more down here. And I can't explain that to people. And I mean, granted, I'm not in the States because I can't go to Amazon every single day or, Lululemon or Nordstrom's, right? But I've learned to live minimalistly and it's beautiful. And uh, I think that's one thing that I, I, your experience is going to be amazing for a lot of women. And and um, please let me know how I can help. I'll put the information in the show notes as well uh, to share with the, the, the followers. And when she said San Carlos, that's like the um, Arnal volcano area. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, where can followers find you online? Um, I think probably the best place is probably my Instagram. So it, it's just Ashton Nicole Keck. And and then we also have a Quantum Leap page. If you go to my, my Instagram, I definitely have um, posts and links to the Quantum Leap page as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll put them in the show notes for sure. Thank you. And then one final thought that you could give to our listeners, and I think you answered this already, but I think it's a nice refresh. What advice would you give somebody who is starting their own transformation into their own beautiful butterfly? I would definitely say two things. One is I think it's important to think about like something that helps me whenever I'm making a big leap that's maybe scary is to think like, if I don't go for it, how will I feel life is going to end? Like, we're not guaranteed life, right? And I had always heard so many people who had said, I always wanted to do, but. Am I going to be okay with the fact that I never went for it? So that's one thing to ask myself whenever I'm taking a leap. Like, it's not like, if I do this, it's Mm -hmm. if I don't do this, how will I feel? Am I going to be okay with it? Can I accept this? And then I think my other... My other piece of advice would be to to really look for a community because I think we have this, you know, mentality especially in the United States of doing it all on our own. And I can, you know, I'm a pretty most people would say that I'm pretty independent. However, I have a strong community behind me. 
I got sober with a community. My thinking got me into a very dark place and a community helped me get out. With with ultra running, you know, I said this yesterday as well. My first 50K, I peed brown. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a community. I got in the community and my community was like, hey, maybe you should, you know, throw some electrolytes, have some more calories, maybe throw some tailwind in that drink of yours. And lo and behold, I stopped peeing brown because I had a community that knew more collectively than myself on my own. So those are two things that I would would really recommend for anyone who's trying to make a leap. What would how would we feel if we don't do this? And and is there a community who can support us, which there's pretty much always a community that we that we can find. That's beautiful. Well, thank you, Ashton, for coming on to the Everyday Healthy Human podcast. I appreciate you being vulnerable and truly sharing your story to inspire the rest of the crew out there. Thank you, Jen. I appreciate the invite onto the show. Of course. And y'all, if you are interested or if you are loving the Everyday Healthy Human podcast, go ahead and like, comment, share with your friends, do what you can to get this podcast out, up and running into the top, oh, let's say top five percent of the fitness and self-help space. But remember, what do we say in Costa Rica? We say Pura Vida and Ciao.